Hey guys, welcome to Friday Know Your Gear Live QA number 62. 62. I think we're going to apply for an ARP hey card. Welcome to Friday Know Your Gear. So, uh 62 is a good good number. So we've been doing this for quite a while. Like I said, maybe we'll get that <laughs> we'll apply for our card. Um we have some good questions already. I want to thank everybody uh, for coming and hanging out this Friday. It's been a cool week. Uh, it's been a busy week. I'm I'm pretty exhausted today, uh, but I promise to keep the energy up. I know it's important, and it's important to me too, so I hope it's important to you. Uh, and uh, a couple of you guys saying hi. I appreciate that, Steve, Tim, a few of you ah, from Maryland. I'm going to be in Maryland in a month or two, so... We'll talk about that if you'd like to as well. But already, we already have some good questions. So let's get into the questions. The first question I received was from Blair, who said, any suggestions on a way to eliminate static from a Les Paul? The new classics have a, uh, have a bad charge in the finish. Yes, how I eliminate static electricity on guitars is use uh, I use static guard or any kind of reputable brand but i use static guard and there's a brand i buy also from the pet store uh just because i like it um it's a it's a static guard spray right static remover spray and i spray it on a cloth and i let it get dry and then i just dab it and wipe off all the components and everything and it'll eliminate the static charge it's really good for pick guards as well now there, there's, uh, if you're self-conscious about it and you're concerned about your guitar's finish, after you wipe everything down with the static guard that's on the cloth, you can go ahead and use some polish or something and then clean all of, all of it off. It won't do any damage to, it won't put the static back on, so to speak. But you can use fabric softener sheets. However, I haven't used fabric softener sheets in over a decade because they used to be able, used to be able to buy non-scented or unscented ones. Um, now they all seem scented and have this cakey, flaky, uh, perfume in them. And when you wipe your guitar down, it'll get on your guitar. Uh, plus, you know, it's just, it's not a pleasing thing. So I don't use the, the fabric softener sheets anymore, especially the good ones were the ones where they were slightly used. Uh, you threw them in the, in the dryer and they got a little softer and broken in. You can use those wipe down your guitars. But I used, like I said, uh, if in absence of those, just static guard right on a cloth. I've done thousands of guitars maybe more <laughs> and uh, uh, with no issues. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, you know, after a while you never know, but in my experience, they've been pretty safe to, to deal with. Um, and I, I've, I've had good results with that. So like I said, and it really is a big deal on pick guards because a lot of players, they take these two fingers right here, these two, and you kind of rest them and use your pick like this. And when you're rubbing on the pick guard like this or on your guitar, that's where you'll build a static charge up, especially on plastic, but sometimes on the less poles and everything else too. And um, so that's why I said, just go ahead and, and discharge that using some static guard. So there you go. It's a good question. Thank you. The next question comes from Mike and he said, who, uh, nope, sorry. Next question was from Todd. Uh, Todd says, please explain what an envelope filter does. Um, well, an envelope filter is going to sound kind of like a wah pedal filters in general, uh, are basically, they, they adjust like the relative levels. In other words, they they adjust, uh, they let certain frequencies pass through them. So like you'll have a high pass filter that allows the highs, but it cuts the lows and a low pass filter will allow the lows, but cuts the highs. Um, so, so that's kind of what filters do. And then an envelope filter is the same thing. It, it's letting certain frequencies kind of shape them and, and, and it's really getting technical. An envelope filter is, to me, an extreme wah pedal. 
That's the way I want to say it and keep it easy. It's a wah pedal where it's just really vowely. In other words, it's going to be more extreme. I find the lows to be more intense, the highs to be intense. And there's definitely an attack issue where when you hit the, the note, there's going to be a, a different kind of attack than on a wah pedal. But essentially, because an envelope filter is a filter, it's just kind of shaping frequencies for you and it gets you kind of cool sounds. So that's a good way to, to look at that. Okay, next question. Uh, it's from Guitar Obsession. It says, uh, Phil loves the videos. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, it says, I have a 68 Princeton. Me too. <laughs> uh, which uh, has some buzzing in certain low frequencies. Have you had similar issues with yours? Now, the question I have is, is it buzzing like the amp is rattling buzzing or buzzing like the speaker is buzzing or buzzing like there's a fizz in the sound? So let me tell you the experiences I've had with my 68 and maybe it'll help you with your 68. Um, yes, yeah, sometimes I, th I find with too much low frequency, the 10 inch speaker that comes stock on it doesn't handle the low frequencies well and it kind of rattles and buzzes. Um, so what I did is I just, I just realized that and I turned those low frequencies down. However, the amp itself, the actual physical amp was buzzing and driving crazy. And it's that drip pan. It's that frame around the speaker. If you look at mine, which you can see behind me right there, uh, it's hard to see in this, uh, obviously in 720p, but I'm promising you, if you look, there is no drip pan. I took it off and I ripped off that little metal frame thing that was driving me nuts. Uh, and that's how I fixed that as well. And then I went through and glued and tightened everything down and made sure it's uh, better. But that's a downfall of combo amps. It's a question I get so many times. You know, hey, my amp rattles. Hey, my amp buzzes. Hey, my amp. It's because that's what that's what combos do. They 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 do uh, that. There's you just got to kind of find the best way to handle it. Um, uh, another thing I don't like, which I haven't done to my 68, so you know, is I remove the little metal feet at the bottom and put rubber feet. I've done it to this amp. All my Fender amps, except for this one, this one's next. I will put rubber feet on it. I know it's kind of sacrilege if you're a Fender amp guy, those little metal feet, but to me, it's just the rubber kind of helps absorb vi vibration and again, stops the amp from being so dramatic. So those have all worked well for me. So I, I highly recommend those as well. Ian's uh, got a question. He says, what does the ground lift do on the back of my bass amp? Sure, what it's gonna do is uh, it's going to lift the ground off. <laughs> so, uh, right? Does that make sense? Uh, it's a ground lift. It... <laughs> All right. So um, it's hard because I don't really have a huge technical answer. So I'll do my best. Okay. So basically, sometimes you're going to get, oh, man, I feel bad. There's got to be a, hold on. Hold on a second. Funny enough, but I actually have, this cool thing. Hold on. Let me pull it up. It's in my little database here. Hold on. Okay. So I once asked a amp guru that I won't say his name, but he is a friend of mine and he is a genius. And I asked him the same question and I'm looking in old emails and it looks like I asked them this in 2006. I said, hey, what does the ground lift switch do in my amp? That's what I asked him. And he says, it eliminates all the hum and buzz by interrupting the ground loops between the equipment, preventing current. Cool, there's your official answer. I hope that's good, because uh, let me tell you, this guy is uh, super overly qualified <laughs> to answer the question. All right, and that's kind of what I remembered. <laughs> uh, D Dr. Dr. The madness says use a power conditioner, lose the ground loop or risk of uh, 
fried amp. Yes. So that's an issue too. I use a power conditioner as well. Highly recommend that uh, if you're an issue. Uh, it's a little tough sometimes when gigging uh, to bring more stuff, but yes, a power conditioner works wonders. Um, uh, LBJI something IBHI shout out bunch of letters. Uh, can't some vibrations be good? Question mark. Hmm. Good vibrations. <laughs> I think I'll write a song about that. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love the humor guys. That's awesome. Um, uh, motor amp says, hi, Phil, your opinion of heritage guitars. Uh, I don't, I mean, obviously I reviewed one. I reviewed the hollow body. It was amazing. It was expensive. Um, it's, uh, you know, I don't know much about them anymore. I know nothing. So, you know, about them as a company anymore. I, I heard what you guys heard that the, you know, 14 employees left. That's a big chunk of their employee base. I heard that there's like 16 workers and 14 left. I would imagine they've hired new workers back and they're going to try to keep the company going. But to me, I have no idea what to think or say about them as a company. Sadly enough, it seems like they're just another company added to the news in, in the last year or two that is negative and kind of bums you out. Uh, so I'm hoping good things for them. And maybe maybe that'll all work out. I hope it all works out for everybody. I hope the old employees end up in better jobs. And I hope uh, Heritage gets their stuff dialed back in. That's all we can do, right? As, as gear junkies, we want to be... Uh, we want the best thing, right? For us, we want guitars and we want good people to make them. So, uh, next question is, uh, Damon says, are you still doing Sharpen My Axe videos? Yep, still doing them. So we had one a couple weeks ago. There's more coming. The, I just don't know how frequent and when they come out. I just know I set up, I, like I said, I agreed to do 10. That's how I set up the budget. So they are extremely expensive and time consuming to do. So, okay, uh, man, if one more, a <laughs> lot of questions, Henning, GitCon, GitCon, Henning, Henning, GitCon, what about GitCon? Oh man, you guys really seem to be on this. What thoughts on Henning and GitCon? Okay, uh, so we'll, uh, you guys, I'll put a link, obviously, like I do everything in the index about the description to Henning's video, video uh, he did a video says I quit GitCon, if you guys don't know that already, uh, that is what happened this week. I, I've been in contact with Henning many times in the last few months. I already knew that he was part of not being GitCon anymore. Um, I can't remember how far I knew, knew it was. Um, I can't tell you this. In January at the NAMM show, there was still going to be a GitCon with Henning, at least my understanding. So if it wasn't that, it was not communicated to me by any, any way. But Henning had asked me not to tell anybody yet. Obviously, he made it public, so uh, it's I, I think it's okay now. I don't think he'll be upset. So yeah, he's no longer involved with GitCon. He has decided to do something else. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll link the video and you guys can see why he quit GitCon. Um, so you know, I officially had let GitCon and Henning know. Well, I let my patrons know. I think a month ago, I let them know probably a little bit before that that I was not attending either one. So I'm not going to uh, get con. And even though he doesn't say it in the video and I don't want to release anything yet, uh, Henning says he's working on something. Well, what he's working on, if that was to happen or is to happen, I've already let him know, unfortunately, I can't, that it doesn't meet my, I can't meet my schedule. So I won't be attending that, but I also will not be attending the GitCon as well. As for uh, thoughts on Henning and GitCon, uh, it, it's truly saddening. It, it, the whole thing is saddening. Um, 
I have uh, said this to some YouTubers uh, that are friends. I will say it to you. It's like uh, mom and dad got divorced and, uh, you know, everybody's in an awkward situation now because of that, right? Uh, it's as, as simple thing as that. Um, what I can tell you on the rec record is this. Henning is my friend and I went to GitCon because he asked me for no other reasons than just Henning, who I met. I tended to like him. He said, I have this crazy idea. I thought it sounded interesting. And I was one of the first YouTubers to agree to go to GitCon. I was one of the first ones. He was, I was lucky enough to be asked by him. And I was the first one to say yes or in the, in the first you know groups. And, um, and basically, I went. It was everything he promised. And uh, it was a good event. And I was happy to be there. Uh, but that being said... He's not involved with this one, and that kind of sucks, but there you go. And if you have any more questions, you can let me know in this video as well. Uh, but that's the thoughts of that. Uh, as far as these other YouTubers that are going to the GitCon or not going to the GitCon, I, I don't know. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago who I knew about. I would heard uh, what I said in that video, a couple of YouTubers going. I don't know how it's all going to lay out now. All I can tell you officially for me and anybody on my channel that's curious about what I'm up to, I had already let everybody know I'm not attending prior to any of these announcements. So, um, and I kept that secret because I didn't want to announce that uh, prematurely because I was hoping uh, to, to you know, help them build momentum uh, without saying, hey, I'm not attending. But given this situation, that's what's happening. I'm not attending either event. Okay, the next question is from Rock Daddy 44 I have an Indonesian-made blue floral gem. Okay, so the blue floral gem. And when I switch from humbucker to single coil, the volume drops quite a bit. Yes, they do. How do you get the volumes the same without needing to use a volume pot? It is the downfall of the Ibanez guitar. It's not your blue floral gem. It's all Ibanez guitars, especially with a five-way switch with the humbucker, single humbucker. You would need to wire up the pickups a totally different way to stop them from being like this. I feel the same way. So, you know, I just want to reaffirm this for you. You have an Indonesian floral gem. I have Japanese gems, uh, you know, that are that are the same quality but more expensive. So I'm letting you know they do the same thing. So it's not like because you got the, uh, you know, the uh, you know the Indonesian one over the Ivan uh, the Japanese one. That's a deficiency. They would both equally do the same thing. Um, so you're gonna have to rewire it to change the way that works. It's the way that's wired up to do that. Uh, they actually think that's cool because uh, it drops and it really thins the sound out. So. Uh, you're going to have to look up new wiring schematics and uh, or have it wired up a different way. Okay, the next one is from Calisalo235. Okay, why not more content in miking guitar caps? Oh, especially since live sound these days is so heavily dependent on mic being used and its placement. You know, one of the best videos I found for miking guitar caps for me, and, and you know, I love saying this so that you guys have comments, please put them in the comments down below. So if there's other videos you found more, you know, inspiring, believe it or not, Glenn Fricker's uh, video, I'll put a link in the description right now on how to mic a, it was like, it was the weirdest title. It was like how to mic a heavy metal guitar or something like that, which wasn't what I was after. But I watched the video, and I will tell you this. It is a very, if you just want to learn, like, fast. He, he he was really precise into it. It was a great video. It was probably one of the best videos I found on YouTube. Um, and I actually found it was interesting because I, I, I had met him a couple times, and, you know, we're at GitCon and all these other things. And so when I watched that video, uh, it was funny because I was like, wow, it's something I probably could have asked him, but I watched his video. It's a very good video. So, so please check that out. And then, hold on one second, because... There is a screen I didn't pull up that I'm going to need if we continue on 
with this video today. <laughs> Hold on one second. Here we go. Um, because it's... Okay, next question. It comes from Matthew King. It says, thoughts on Elixir strings. Sure. Um, what do you mean by thoughts? You mean, like, what do I think of them? Um, coded strings. Well, here's what I think. Um, I've been told for many years that Elixir doesn't make its own strings and that they buy strings from other manufacturers and it's the process that they basically own, the coding ability. Um, that being said, I've been told by other string manufacturers uh, that they are the manufacturers of Elixir strings. It's funny. Uh, I actually thought it was funny. Once I was told by a, a company that they make Elixir strings, I said, well, funny, another manufacturer said they make Elixir strings. And they said, well, we kind of both do. We, you know, they need so many strings that multiple companies make them. But uh, what's, what's interesting on that is I don't really care. It's the thing I've learned is this, the coding process that Gore Chemical does, which is the guys who make Elixir strings, seem to be one of the best coded strings out there. Um, I tried clear tones and I've tried the Dario, Dario, um, you know, coded strings, which I'm a huge Dario fan. I like their strings a lot. And even liking their strings, for some reason, the coded strings don't feel the same as the elixirs. It seems like the elixirs have their stuff together when it comes to coded strings. So, um, but that being said, I'd like to put this disclaimer out. I don't really use coded strings except for in one case scenario. I use them a lot on acoustics and electric guitars that I don't play. So I learned a little trick for me as a hobbyist. A guitar like, let's say, my gym that I don't play very often, that sits a lot, uh, doesn't end in rotation a lot in the guitars. It's a wall art kind of guitar. I like to stare at it and maybe pick it up every once in a while. I'll put coated strings on there because when you pick them up, even if you haven't played for many months, the strings are like fresh and brand new. So I use a lot of coated strings on those kind of instruments, the ones that sit the longest. Um, and I don't know why that is. Uh, it's probably psychological that I just don't think the coating sounds the same as regular strings, but it probably does. Uh, so there you go. There's my opinions on that. Uh, next question. Next question from Mike Larson wants to know, why aren't you going to the Tom and GitCon? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really tough. It's a tough answer, guys. I, I really don't, uh, I really don't know how to answer it easily. Um, but it's really simple. Um, I basically, I have, I have personal reasons why I don't want to go. I don't mean personal, like I have issues with any, either hitting or GitCon. Um, what I mean is, uh, I, it physically, uh, I don't like to sit on an airplane for 23 hours. That's flying to GitCon took an entire day. It was 24 hours of traveling to get back from, from GitCon to the US. It was a lot of traveling. It was very exhausting. Um, it wiped me out for a day. So it's so. To travel for a day makes you tired and just a mess the next day. So it's two days of traveling. So there and back, you feel like it, it just kills four days to get there and back. Um, I did that because I was trying to do the experience. When this year, when they talked about doing GitCon, as soon as they mentioned last year doing GitCon, I was like, well, I'm up for it. Once it kind of turned into two events, that thing that I was kind of dreading multiplied times two. So now the traveling that I didn't want to do is twice as much traveling. And then on top of that, uh, I really feel like if I, I really feel like, cause I'm Henning's friend and I want to support him and the GitCon people, although I hear the issues that Henning says and, and that's between them and nothing to do with, uh, anything I know about what I can only tell you is this. And this is, I think a lot of people understand the situation because I think a lot of people in their life have been here when two people that, you know, that you, you met and both were kind to you and you were, you had a good experience with don't disagreement. Now, now I have a disagreement. 
I'm not taking sides because I don't have a personal experience that's negative with either one of them. So that being said, it was all or nothing for me. I had to go to both or I couldn't go to either. So I chose not to go to either. I'm really sad about it ultimately. So, you know, it, but to me, it's like to do twice the work uh, and then it, it just was too much. So there's a ton of reasons and there's more too, but none of it is a personal reason. I don't have any issues with anyone. Uh, like I said, I wish them all the best. I hope that, you know, at some point we look back at this and everything's kind of smoothed over, but if not, that's what it is. So again, uh, not trying to go for a politically correct answer. I'm just trying to explain my thoughts. Okay. Um, and so, you know, for the last thing, just to put this out there, some of my friends now, I'm wearing one, ironically, Pedal Fusion, right? Great, great channel, great person. Uh, send me this shirt. I try to support them, just like my other YouTuber friends that I met at GitCon. That's what GitCon was, was a place for me to meet people who do what I do, interact with them, and learn, learn about them. Some of them are going to go to both these events. Some are going to go to one and not the other because of all kinds of issues. There are certain issues that are out there. And I know how a lot of you kind of probably feel about this, like a choosing sides uh, thing. And I really feel sad about that. I hope everybody really out there realizes that um, that, that there's, I hope both events do well. That's my what I want to say. I hope everyone who goes to both events has a good time. And I hope both events do well. And I hope Henning does well, and I and I hope the other guys do well. And if people are upset with either side of that, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, that's how I feel. Okay, next question is from Jonathan, who says, I want to plug and play with a Helix and a cab. What are your thoughts on the on a Friedman a ASC12, Line 6 Power Cab 112, or how would you solve this dilemma? So I've I've never tried any of that stuff. I've never tried the Friedman Power Cabinet or the new Line 6 Power Cabinet. I'm assuming without looking at them that the Line 6 has got to be less expensive. The Friedman Cabinet is definitely not inexpensive by any means. Uh, so I don't know what the difference uh, is in the quality. Um, and me, I, I understand... I, I understand the desire to want to have a Helix, uh, uh, an Axe Effects, or a Kemper, and then run it into some kind of powered cabinet uh, so you get a true response of what the actual unit is doing. But I still, me personally, I'm never going to give up on the idea that there's just something cool about running it through an actual amp and cabinet, too. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like... Um, it's just that and then better. So although I understand your 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 logistical uh, things, to me, if I when I look at a powered 112 or 212 cabinet, I think, you know what? Fender amps are really great. They warm things up. You can run a hot rod deluxe. You can run a you can find a Roland uh, um, uh, Jazz Chorus 120. Um, there are tons of uh, uh, amps out there that are solid state. You know, another amp I would look at for the for that for what you're looking at is Quilter, man. I've, you know what? That's something I can to say. Although I'm speculating on all those, all those other brands, the quilter stuff I have experienced. I have played it. I have tried it. I really liked it. I like that it was made in the USA. I like the prices are pretty realistic. Um, in other words, they're not. They're not. You know, I don't think they're overpriced for what they are. Um, it seems really good stuff. So something like that. But just keep those options in mind. Um, I can't say the name. I don't know how to read it, so I'm sorry. But I'm going to say the last name is Marcelo. Sorry. 
I apologize. Uh, it says, pickup to replace a Fender Mexican-made humbucker needs better definition and less bottom end. Yes, uh, I absolutely agree. So um, if I was going to take my uh, Mexican-made Strat humbucker out and throw something cool in there, um, I would probably go with uh, a Pearly Gates or a... Um, you know what? Actually, no. Pearly Gates is going to be my go-to pickup for that. It just really just makes those guitars really great. So Seymour Duncan Pearly Gates is a great one if you're looking for a priced, affordable pickup. I obviously like the uh, the Thornbucker would be a great pickup as well, um, but it's almost at double the price, but it is fantastic. And uh, what else do I like in the bridge that's really good? Um, since I did a Seymour Duncan and a Sir, let's do... Um, oh, DiMargio Fred also sounds fantastic in Fender's. So that's another great pickup that sounds uh, great in fenders. So something like that. All those will have definition and, and sound pretty good as well. So, so like that. The great thing is with a pickup like that, not that the Mexican made uh, humbucker is, or it's not Mexican made. I think it's made in Korea, but in the Mexican made Strat, the humbucker is bad. I agree with you. It doesn't have a lot of definition and it basically is kind of boomy and like muddy. That's how I kind of explain that pickup. Um, so, so those pickups are all would be without shine it. Um, says Josh says hey Phil I'm going I'm gonna put an original Floyd Rose on an American special strat uh, with locking nut do I need wait which locking nut do I need okay that's the first question so you're gonna put a Floyd Rose on an American special strat which locking nut do I need and the also also gonna put a humbucker in the bridge should I go super distortion JB or for 80s metal uh 80s metal man you gotta go with a uh, 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 a super distortion that's in my mind, man. The JB's a good pickup. A lot, a lot of people hate it. I like it. But man, the super distortion. Uh, to me, in a strat kind of body, super distortion, that's to me, that's like that's like every 80s metal band uh, has that kind of alder body, maple neck, super distortion pickup kind of combination. So that's great. I would go with that. Uh, which locking nut do you need? You mean for spacing? I would buy them as a set and you don't have to worry about that. So go to floydroseupgrades.com uh, or the Floyd Rose website. I'll put some links in the description and you'll be able to buy them as a kit. Uh, so it comes complete. So you shouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And it gives you all the spacing and everything that you need for the guitar. Um, but just be aware of the fact that that's a, that's a project that you got. You're, you're going, you're going to be doing a project. The American uh, special strat has six whole screws. So you got to put two studs in there for the Floyd Rose uh, and set the spacing correctly. And you're going to have to cut the meat out of the neck uh, to put that new locking nut in there. Um, it's something to think about. This project is not going to be the easiest thing that you're, it's not the easiest road you're going down. Plus once you do that, that guitar's value is pretty much tanked. Not a lot of people looking for an American strat with a, um, with a, uh, uh, a Floyd Rose. So something to think about. Uh, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just telling you if you feel passionate about, about it and you think it's going to be great, you should do it. But I, I caution you uh, to, to think about that. Um, based on the bridge, if you get a good one, like if you get a German one and the labor, if you can't do it yourself uh, and the pickup, you're almost looking at just buying one of those uh, really nice, buy one of those Mexican made uh, uh, Charvels, man. That's a thought. I mean, I understand the fender is important to some people, but those Charvels are really nice too. So something to think about. There you go. All right. Um, hold on one second as we jump screens. Okay. Let me go back to what you're doing. Okay. What else do we got? Um, 
All right. Uh, next question is from Mungo Fetch says, oh, Mungo Fetch, uh, does the volume of an amp, oh, jumped. Hold on, Mungo. I'm getting back to you. Just, it kicked you for a second. Give me a second. Okay. Does the volume of an amp affect how pedals react to the sound? Yes, absolutely. So in other words, your question is basically how, by turning the volume, turning the amp up, does it affect how the pedals react to the sound? Yes, I believe so. Um, because, because so much is happening when you turn the volume up and down, right? Think about this. Don't think about the amp itself. Don't th let's not think about tubes and, you know, and more power. Th just think about speakers, just the dynamics of a speaker moving more because it's physically got more, uh, more volume going through it versus when you turn the volume down and the movement is less, that has a huge effect. So of course, all that affects how they're going to react to the sound of a pedals. So yes, absolutely. Um, and that's why I, I think a lot of times people can tell me, like, I tried that pedal and I hated it. And it depends on the situation, right? I You could take a Fender amp, plug a pedal into it, turn the amp low, play quiet at home, and go, man, this pedal's fuzzy. And, uh, and do the same amp, turn the amp up, and play the pedal from it and not get the fuzziness anymore because of the, the different reaction. So, yes, yeah, it has a, has a factor in that for sure. Uh, Matthew Roche says, does pedal order matter on a pedal board? It does. Uh, it matters in the way it sounds, right? Because which order you put the pedals in is going to affect each pedal. Some pedals react dramatically to other pedals. Uh, obviously, fuzz pedals have that kind of effect, right? They 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 can change just by having buffered and non-buffered pedals in front of them, regardless if those pedals are on or not. So something to think about there. But yes, pedal order is important, and also the types of pedals uh, can be affected. That's the fun of doing it. That's why people get addicted to this pedal game thing. It's all the thousands of ways to be unique. Um, I love it when people kind of tell me they like kind of like, ah, oh, isn't it dumb to have all these pedals and different sounds? And I'm like, well, you know, it's it's like saying, isn't it dumb to have 120 box count of crayons? You know, you only need all the basic colors. Uh, it's not that it's bad or good. It's different strokes for different folks. Some people like creating a different sound. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Um, so yeah, so you can get crazy with it. Now the next question he has, and this is digital than analog. In other words, uh, uh, should I put distortion, gain, boost pedals before reverb, tremolo delays, chorus, and etc. pedals? Will the order create good and bad tone? So the answer is yes to both. I think you, I put my distortions, boosts, and gains uh, before I put uh, tremolos and delays. No, wait, sorry, delays and reverbs. Although I run my tremolos in front of distortions. In fact, my favorite tremolo pedal is the Supra one that has a gain in it, built in it. I really like uh, driving. Uh, I like. I don't like tremolo unless I have a booster in front with it uh, to drive the amp. Uh, the reason is, is my experience, tremolo always kind of sucks tone. Like it adds an effect, but sucks tone. It changes the way that the amp sounds. It makes it less... Uh, dynamic and punchy. So I use a boost in front of it. So that's why I love that pedal. Um, I think that's one of the downfalls of tremolo pedals. So, um, but I have some videos. I'll link one in the description right now for you, Matthew, that kind of shows you the pedal order and the way it does. If that's something you guys are interested in a video, I mean, a lot of YouTubers, a lot of people out there doing these pedal videos where they, they show you the order of pedals. I can see why you could probably watch endless amounts of those because I've watched endless amounts of those. Uh, so if you'd like me to do one, I, I'm up for that. Um, I, you know, I'm always curious to see if that's something I should do. You guys always have the best ideas when it comes to what to do with this channel. So I always thank you guys for that. Uh, on my top, my like probably my top 20 videos were all literally 
somebody messaged me and said, what about this? And I did it. So I always want to take a second right now and just thank you guys for that. Literally, uh, the channel exists just like these QAs. They exist because you are taking the time to ask these questions and talk to me uh, and, and let other people hear what we're talking about. So uh, I appreciate that. This is definitely a two-lane two lane road, and you guys have been very giving. Um, Bubba Zanetti says, hello from Newfoundland. Hello, Newfoundland. Uh, which amp, in your opinion, is the most agreeable? The Fender Mustang GT40 or the Vox uh, Audio Air GT? Also, I tried out the Variax and was underwhelmed. What's your opinion on those as well? I was also very underwhelmed with the Variax, but I think it's an expectation thing. The Variax is probably one of the most versatile, useful tools for a musician out there you know you get acoustic you get strat you get a les paul you get all these things it just does everything and so i think what happens with anything that does a too many things you know we want it to be the best acoustic sound with the best strat sound and the best and that's not what the variax does the variax does everything really well and um if you were gonna play a gig and you needed a lot of sounds i think the variax kills um it, it's a great product but for me sitting in the bedroom eh, when i can grab the guitar that the variax is simulating in my situation, you know what I mean? Is the Varax going to be as good as me grabbing my acoustic? No. Is it going to be as good as my, my Les Paul? Is the Strat going to be as good as, as my Strat? No. So that's what the Varax, uh, you know, kind of lost a little bit for me. But I really do like it as a product. So, you know. Um, but, uh, so the, the ask, answer to your other question about which which amp is more agreeable and which one do I like the Fender Mustang GT 40 or the Vox. Um, I'm not a big fan of the GT 40 by the GT series of Mustang. I'm just not. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Vox on those out of those two. I wish I was more of a fan of the Mustang GT. I really liked the first one. I think a lot of YouTubers like Shane in the blues agrees in that concept or, you know, he's, he liked the first Fender, uh, Fender Mustang series, but not so much the GT. Um, and I wish I could put more of a pinpoint on a lot of the reasons I didn't love the GT series, but I just didn't. So, so there's, there's the thoughts on that. Okay. The next question is, I got a Vox AC30 that weighs a ton. Oh yeah, they do. And they got those silly handles, the two on the sides and the one in the center. And you're like, it's... <laughs> It's, you know, I always make fun of those handles because like you got to pick. You can, who's picking up the Vox AC30 like this, right? Good for you. Do those muscles, but me, I always got to pick it up this way, and then it just like hits my knees and my shins. It's really just crazy. All right, now that's out of my system. Okay, so uh, what's the what's a head and two twelve that's great for pedals but lightweight? Oh man, a head and cabinet that's great for pedals and lightweight well as soon as you say lightweight you're talking solid state obviously or or uh class d is usually the logic uh well keeping here's the good news i got lots of good news for you uh and that's from kyle snyder uh kyle the the vox ac30 is just 30 watts so even though it's an iconic amp it sounds great it's a classic it's 30 watts so there's a lot of 30 watt amps out there um if you like the vox there are tons of products out there that are like that um, but if I was looking for a 212 cabinet, well, first of all, keep in mind, some 212 cabinets are just as heavy as the Vox, it feels like, right? Because, I mean, they're just really beefy cabinets. Um, 
but I'm trying to give you an example of something that I like. Like I can tell you right now, I have this uh, this 50 watt custom by by PRS that's awesome in the 212, but that 212 is a ton. Even though it's a pine box, it just weighs a lot. So 30 watts, uh, you know, I just don't, I can't think of something right now that's a head and cabinet that's light. That's the problem that's got, that's got what you want. Um, I hear good things about the Morgan stuff. Again, it's kind of expensive. But so, you know, Vox actually makes a head and cabinet. You know what I mean? Uh, they make the AC30 in a head and cabinet. You can get the AC30 as a head and get the 212 cabinet. And that 212 cabinet was pretty light. So it's the same thing as what you have, but it does shed a lot of, a lot of the weight off. One of my biggest regret amps was I had the AC, uh, the Vox uh, AC, whatever, 212 handwired that was in the tan. And uh, that cabinet sounded great with those blue Alnicos in there. And I sold it. And it sounds great. I miss it. And it was so expensive. And I took a, such a bath on it. Uh, it. I just can't justify buying it again. But something cool like that. Um, but 30 watt amps, there's tons of them out there. I mean, obviously, the the um, the Grandmeister uh, 40 is a 40 watt amp. I have it. It's super light. You can get a 212 cabinet uh, pretty much from anywhere that's pretty light. Um, there's, uh, for, uh, 30 watts, there's the, uh, uh, Ignator makes some 30 watt amps. I mean, 30 watt amps are really just, there's a plethora of them out there. So, uh, what are your favorite PRS made pickups and why? Um, I think my favorite PRS pickups are the 8515s. Uh, those are what's comes in the CEs. I got a CE here and a CE over here, whatever, right there. Uh, that guy right there. And, uh, I really like the pickups in those guitars. Um, I have a mirror that has mirror pickups, but here is what I've kind of learned with PRS pickups. So I have 5708s and I have 5909s and I have um, 8515s and I have mirror pickups. And what I've really learned with Paul Red Smith is they really spend some time putting the pickups in the, the pickups that go to a guitar in the guitar. For some reason, um, I, uh, and here's why I tell you this. I really like my mirror. My mirror pickups are super low output. They are the exact opposite of the 8515s. I like the 8515s so much that I put them in my mirror and the mirror did not sound the same. So I had to yank them out and put the mirror pickups back. So it was a really strange thing considering I like the pickups. I like the way they sounded, but when I put them in the guitar, I found that the mirror pickups just really suited the mirror well. And I've learned that to, over the years, a lot of guys who have, have the mirrors uh, buy the mirror guitars and then they swap the pickups and same thing. They have to put them back. Uh, even though they go, well, they're, they're kind of difficult because they're really low output. They're low output. They're lower output than my Thornbuckers. So, uh, but I think if I was going to pick my favorite PRS pickups right now, it's the 8515s. Then after that, probably 5909s. That's just how, how I seem to like them. Um, and also another reason for that is because I have a custom 24 with 5909s. I've played custom four, 24s with the 8515s, and I kind of wish I had my the 8515s as well. So, so there. I hope that's hope that's insightful at least with my experiences of that i know it's tricky out there when it's pickups are the, the the mess man we're all just it's like you're just shooting in the dark for pickups hoping it all works out all right what do we got next what's uh okay the <laughs> uh prs's are great but man are they ugly right that's judd yeah, I guess, you know, um, you know, it's funny is I don't necessarily, I don't own PRSs because I think they're pretty. Like, I know that's their appeal, the pretty woods and stuff. I, that's not my thing. Um, but, 
you know, they they play great. Just like my old, just like old Ibanez's and Jackson's play great. They feel great. The fret and finish is good. Um, Matthew's got a question. Are there any pedals that you can warn us about that do not work together in pedal chain? Any pedals that are not compatible? Man, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you, like, oh, stay away from these. They're problematic. Um, you know, no. I've had this experience in the past, but I couldn't tell you specifically which ones. But I've had experience where you're putting a certain kind of complement of pedals on the same pedal board caused humming issues because they have had interactions like that. Um, but no, in my in my experiment with pedals, I haven't found where like cheap pedals and expensive pedals don't play together. Nothing like that. It's it's really a unfortunately it really is a you got to try it. That's the that's the never ending thing. Um, and I obviously I I own a lot of pedals, so I've tried all these different scenarios. What I can tell you is this: what where you get to at a certain point when you've tried all the pedals you can possibly try to see all the combinations you can possibly see as you know just for because it's what I do. Um, what you realize is, is that you can really keep it simple and be very happy. Um, there are reasons why no matter how many pedals made, certain pedals rise to the top. Think about that. Think of the thousands of pedals out there, okay? And although one person can have specifically a pedal they love, right? Think of how, how often you see the same 10 pedals mentioned over and over again. And it's because there's just something that those pedals work well with each other. Tube screamers work well with so many situations. That's why people like tube screamers. So uh, if you're going to be experimenting with pedals, uh, start off with the stuff that makes the most sense, which is going to be like, you know, the basics, tube screamers and stuff. I find a lot of times what I think the wrong thing to do when experimenting with buying pedals is buying these crazy uh, kind of like, you know, elusive, you know, unique pedals, um, that may not be the safest route to go. You know, right. There's a reason why everybody uses the same 10 pedals. I love telling you the story. It's a really good story. Um, I once saw the guitar players for Garth Brooks and they were both playing nothing but boss pedals. And the main reason being it was they wouldn't play anything that what they couldn't get at a local music store when they were on tour. And they, they relied on the fact they wouldn't break. And, and regardless of how you feel about country music or whatever your genre of music that you love is, the you cannot deny the fact that Garth Brooks is a huge selling artist, especially when it comes to concerts. The guy sells out. You know, he has to come to towns and play four nights in a row sold out. So when the guitar players for a, a caliber musician that is drawing that kind of demand say something like that, that always reminds me that don't get carried away with it. It's really that simple. The other night, in fact, this is a funny story. See how these pedals are all over the place? I'm looking at half screen. You can see my, I got pedals missing, right? All this stuff. They're stacked up over here. They're on the floor right now. Um, they're over there in the corner right here. Whoops, right there. Um, the reason is, is because a friend came over the other day and we were going through pedals. I, I've said this a million times. When my friends come over, we start pulling out all my pedals and we mess with pedals and talk. And he was in shock how many pedals that I had, like the Boss Blues Driver that he was like, uh, in fact, I think I have it out. Oh, yeah, it's right here. No, nope, this is the compressor. Actually, we were shocked on how good this one sounds, too. But we were shocked on how good some of this, the least expensive, least exciting pedals were. You know, I showed him some of these great exotic ones, and he was like, man, that sounds really good. And then we'd plug in some of the, you know, the tried and trues. And 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 uh, we didn't say they sounded better, but we were both like, wow, those sound good, too. So don't don't forget that. Don't forget that, that there's no holy grail out there that's going to make you all happy when it comes to pedals.
Uh, Josh says, thanks, Phil. Uh, I don't want to deal with their recess Floyd Rose, and I love the classic look of the Strat. Uh, which coil split pots do you recommend uh, for the humbucker? So, yeah, so, okay, You're, you have the same problem I have. Yeah. So if you recall in my videos, at one point I did a review of my Charvel. I loved it. I had the uh, SoCal. No, San Dimas. I had the San Dimas. Loved it, loved it, but I did not like the recessed Floyd. I really wish the Charvel guys would have top-mounted the Floyds like they do on the EVH guitars. I have an EVH guitar. I have a Stripe guitar. I have two of them. And I like them better than the Charvels because the Floyds are sitting on the body. But I would really just like to have a painted, uh, you know, painted colored one, not a striped one. And so, Josh, I totally identify what you're saying. That's what my that was my drawback on the on the Charvels as well. I don't want recessed. I want it top mounted, just like what you're talking about. So I feel your pain. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. So I hope I could have made a better recommendation. But yeah, you have the same problem I have when it comes to that guitar. Which coil split pots do I recommend? Um, Switchcraft makes some good ones uh, that, that are nice. Some people like push-push. Some people like push-pull. It's up to you. Push-push is better. It's faster. It's easier. You click it. You click off. They tend to break more. That's why a lot of companies don't recommend them, and a lot of people don't recommend them. Um, but when I say break more, touring grade, you know, if you're beating it up every night, they're going to they're gonna fail on you pretty much for sure. But if you're at home and you're playing local gigs and you're putting it through its normal paces, uh, try a push-push pot. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. Uh, so like I said, push-push is a, something to definitely look into as an option. David's got a question. It says, what do you think of the Amp Tweaker pedals and their new amp coming out? Uh, also, do you buy these pedals? Do you buy this pedal platform amp stuff that is frequently being talked about uh, lately? Okay, great question. First of all, Amp Tweaker pedal our Amp Tweaker pedals I've never tried, but I am a little fanboyish of of uh, of James Brown, which I believe is the designer of those. Right, uh, I'm doing this off memory, so you know I, I I really think he he hit it out of the ballpark when he did the 5150 amps for PV. Obviously, I like the custom Coupe series amps. Um, I met him once at the NAMM show and I, I literally was tongue twi tongue tied. I was tongue tied. I was tongue tied talking to him. See, I'm tongue tied thinking about him. Uh, because to me, it was like he's just an amazing amp builder and designer and a uh, super smart, cool guy. So, that being said, I haven't tried his pedals. Um, I probably should uh, put them on my radar. So, um, I'll, I'll probably try to do that. Uh, as far as AMP coming out, I hadn't heard anything about it. You're the one giving this me, you know, David, you're giving me this information, which is cool. But now I'll put a link in the description to, uh, to wherever the, you know, the website is that sources that information. So we can check that out. But the good question here that I, I can't help with, do you buy this pedal platform AMP stuff that is frequently being talked about lately? You know, um, this idea that, no, I don't really care for that. Um, what I mean by that is not that I think it's wrong or it's, uh, you know, it's mystical BS. <laughs> it's not that. It's just, um, no, what I think when people say amps take pedals well, let me put an example to you for me. <laughs> uh, if you take like the, the EVH LBX, it's a, you know, it does two channels, gain and more gain. Okay. The first LBX, not the second one. That's not a pedal platform because you can't put distortion on top of distortion. You can boost it with a with a boost, or you can maybe put a tube screamer in front of distortion. So a lot of times when people say it's not a good pedal platform, what they mean is the amp pretty much does the sound, and putting pedals in front of it isn't going to help that situation, um, or they get lost in it. 
But most amps, for the most part, take pedals well. Um, a lot of people think Fender amps take pedals better than other amps because they're clean. And that's kind of accurate because a clean line, a clean platform will let the pedals come alive. But there's, 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 two, there's two things in play. And please, please keep this in mind. First of all, if you are a touring musician, a real musician that has to, to perform in the real world, there are certain realities that you face. And one of them is you're not always going to have your amp. If you got asked right now to go to Jimmy Kimmel Live, and I'm in the West Coast, so if I got to go to the East Coast and I'm a musician and I got to play Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight, there's no way I can hop on a plane and take my amp. So if I have a signature amp or if I have the, you know, if I want to take my Archon, I can't take a 50-watt tube amplifier on the plane. I can't ship in there in time, so I got to get there and use whatever they have. So a lot of musicians build a pedal platform that has all their sounds, so when they go to a show, they can literally just put that in front of an amp, what's called a backline. Backline is basically products like amplifiers that are rented like you would rent tables for a wedding. They rent amps pretty much in every major city on the planet Earth. You can say, hey, Get me a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe. Get me a Marshall JCM 2000. There's a list of amps that pretty much every backline company have, a Basement 59. Give me that and put that behind me on stage, and then I will stick my pedals in front of it. So sometimes the term takes pedals well means literally lets the pedals be the sound. I have a pedal board. This is all the songs I'm going to play for all the tones. I need a, a tone for this song, a tone for this song, a tone for this song. And then now I just need the amp to amplify the pedals, which are the sound. Regardless when people go, yeah, I can never listen to pedals. I have to use my own amp. Whenever I hear somebody say that to me, by the way, uh, you know, I can never use pedals. I can only use my tone of my amp. I'm like, well, then you've never been in a situation where you ha couldn't have your amp. I go to, I don't tour, obviously. I'm not a tour musician. I'm a hobbyist. But when I go in local jams and play with friends, they have an amp on stage and nobody wants me to pull my amp up, plug it in, do all this stuff. You have two choices on a, on a jam. You let everybody use your amp, so you're there from the beginning to the end of the night, or you use the amp on the stage. And if you use the amp on the stage, a lot of times you just want to take a little pedal board, plug it in, and that's your sound. So uh, that's what uh, people are doing. So these pedal platform amps have a purpose. Uh, will people use them because they can take their pedal board and amplify it? I think it's got a practical sense. Do I want that for... What I'm doing? No, because um, you know I don't need it. It's not applicable to what I'm what I'm what I'm doing. So, however, that idea is not much different than what we talked about earlier in the show when somebody was asking about just using a powered speaker for their uh, Helix or uh, they were said Helix, but it could be XFX or Kemper. Same logic. I'm going to get the sound from this. Just amplify it. So, there you go. Uh, shut up. Let's talk. Said speaking of pots, happy Friday. Actually, what happy 420? So, isn't that funny? I have a funny 420 story for you today. Today, I, I was running late, I had to go somewhere important, uh, to do something important, and so I stopped somewhere. And I, there was the only place I could, when I was driving there, the only place that I could see uh, that I could pull into was a Taco Bell. Is the first time I've probably been to Taco Bell in about five years, and the line to Taco Bell was super long. And I was like, why is the line to talk about super long? It wasn't lunchtime. And then I started laughing going, well, I guess it's 420. And I guess today's Taco Bell's day. I don't know why I brought that up. I just thought it was funny. So 
Um, Tony wants to know, hey, would you do a sharpen my axe on a bass or an acoustic guitar? Well, I am going to do a sharp. The, the whole part of sharpen my axe is I'm going to do every kind of guitar. That's my my that's my hopes. And in over time, hopefully, we'll have covered all the major guitars. Um, the sharpen my axe videos. I had this talk with the patrons the other day when we did the patron hangout. Um, so they understand. Maybe I'll communicate it to you. I really thought um, that the, the the Sharpen My Axe videos would draw in more sponsorship than they've done. I've reached out to a ton of sponsors for help. Um, and, and of those sponsors, if I say 10 sponsors, I'm going to say eight never returned any of my communication. And the two that did basically were only interested in talking to me and setting up an appointment to talk about they can potentially help. Um, so that's a process in which I have to go down that too. So I was at this point, I'm not really getting a whole lot of sponsorship involvement. So I'm really kind of carrying the brunt of it. I did a video today, Sharper Max. It's not edited, of course. Um, but it was all, that was a hundred percent except for one part, uh, which was a $7 part, a hundred percent out of my pocket on that. Uh, so that's fine. You know what I mean? That's fine. I, I said, like I said, I did 10 videos, allocated a budget. You guys are obviously always helping. I appreciate all that stuff. I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. That's the holdup. They're, they're not moving as fast. I also reached out to uh, something that unfortunately you guys won't know about, but I'll share this with you too. The patrons get to see, uh, I show them stuff that I'm working on so I can get feedback. There was a sharpen my axe that I was working on. They saw the beginning of it. They were really excited about it. That's where I started pulling help to do this. And that process is moving extremely slower than I hoped. So, um, so that is not turning out the way I hoped either. So, but all that just means the process is slower. The videos are going to take longer to come out, but they're coming. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'll have one up soon, real soon. Uh, I really believe I have one enough completed to finish up, uh, to, to actually launch it. Uh, can't, okay. So this is John Paul batter. He says, can you give me advice on what kind of bass cabinet I should get for a rehearsal room? Gigging. Band drums. So the band is drums, two guitars, singer, bass. A 115, 112, or 410 orange OBC 15 is my current consideration. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tone thing. Me personally, a 112 works for any kind of small band getup. So in other words, if you're doing a, a, a drummer that's doing a small drum set. And the guitar player is realistic and he's using like, let's say a 30 watt tube amp or smaller on a 112 combo of some sort like that. I think you can get away with a 112 bass amp and be okay. Um, a 115 is, is going to help a lot with projecting a lot of low end frequencies. What you want to realize though about bass cabinets and in, in situations like you're talking about a rehearsal room, it, at a 112, you're going to pretty much have to face that or have that by the drummer so the drummer can get that. But one thing I always caution bass players about is two things. Be aware of two things as a bass player, and I think this will always be the right answer. Don't think about rooms. Don't think about this. Just remember two things. One, a drummer needs to hear you. It's important. So one of the most important things you do as a bass player is make sure your equipment is something that a drummer can always hear and hear fine. If a drummer cannot hear you, it will change the way that they play. In other words, if a drummer can't hear the bass, they will actually play lighter. They will change the way they play because they got to hear you. So they don't hit as hard. They don't get as involved as much. And that's not just a rock thing. That's anything. The second thing about bass that's important is, is that the singer in most cases gets their, uh, gets the key from the bass player. So again, the singer needs to hear you. 
So it's important that you're projecting correctly. And if you're if you're driving on the low frequency, if you're pushing the amp to its max, you're gonna get a horrible tone. So you always want to make sure you have power on tap, and that because here's why: uh, bass amps uh, will be loud in small rooms, but quiet to non-existent in big rooms and outside. So again, just be aware you you have your amp is not just a monitor for you. But your amp in a lot of cases is gonna be the monitor for the drummer and sometimes for the singer as well. So something that's very, very important. So keep that in consideration. And that being said, also keep in mind that if you get too out of control, your guitar player is going to buy a bigger amp, and that's the road you go down too. <laughs> so my advice is buy the biggest amp you can possibly get, size-wise and power-wise, and then turn it down. <laughs> so you'll never regret having too much bass power. It just use it with great responsibility, man. Don't don't just drive and kill everybody. Don't you'll ruin the band if you run too much bass. But you'll never regret uh, having enough volume at hand because you'll never know when and when when it's gonna you know suck up the the room. Plus, another thing happens too is on a side note, sometimes you could be in the same room with a bass amp, and if you have a hundred people, it sounds great. But if you have fifty people, it sounds horrible because again, the, the all that space is it needs to be filled up with more bass. So. All right, Indrid Cold says, thoughts on CMG's Frog Dog pickups and Devil Cat amps debating on calling up RNA music. Well, I like the idea you calling up, calling up RNA music. I love those guys. Uh, what I can tell you is, is uh, I know nothing about the CMG dog, uh, Frog Dog pickups. I know that they're in the uh, CMG guitars, um, but I have not experienced them in any way. Uh, I, I can tell you that if I did get a CMG guitar devil cat amp, I would buy it from RNA music. Devil cat amps is definitely something I was, I'm interested in as an amp product. Um, I looked into it about two years ago when the channel was smaller and it just didn't work out, but it's an amp that I really am interested in. Uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'll put links in the description. There is a small company and they make CMG guitars. They, uh, these guitars are like Les Paul shaped stuff, but and but vibe to me kind of like a Godin made in the USA, but priced like a Godin. We're talking just barely sub one thousand dollars. I did a video, you know, like what eight brands or eight guitars you can buy for a thousand bucks. They were one of the brands. Um, so some and the same with the Devil Cat amps. Uh, they're made in the USA and their products are are very good for the money. Unfortunately, I have very little to no experience with them. Um, I can tell you that there was a CMG guitar for sale locally here at uh, a local Sam Ash. A friend of mine called me, and the Sam Ash is so far from me. But by the time I could get time to get down there, they had sold it. Uh, so I was planning on buying one used uh, because used uh, the CMG guitars were great uh, uh, value because they you know right. But also, Arnie Music has a limited run of the special one for them, so that's something cool too. Um, so think about that as well. All right, Robert Pace says. Towards the bass sharp max. He did a super chat. Uh, all right. Yeah, I, I really want to do, uh, like I said, I appreciate that. Uh, and like I said, I plan the sharp max thing. I definitely want to make sure we do different guitars. The sharp max videos are, to me are about like all the ideas you can come with different guitars. The one I finished up last week, it's not going to be that exciting. I'm going to warn you right now. There's a sharp max coming that's not that exciting. The guitar did not need much, <laughs> right? But that's the luck of the draw of it. So that's how that goes. So that one's happening. Uh, next question. Okay, Donald Davin Davenport says, I have a PRS Tremonti SE, and I want to change out the pickups to American-made Tremonti ones. Is there a significant difference? Absolutely. 
Yeah, the Tremonti ones. Uh, I really like the SE uh, SC245 import pickups they put in the new SEs, if you have the new SEs. I really like those pickups. I've had good luck with those in quality and the way they sound. I'm not saying they're the best pickups out there, but I like them. Uh, but in my experience, the Tremonti pickups are uh, are, are definitely upgrade if you're going to have the SE Tremonti uh, put in there. I really like the SE Tremonti's. Uh, guitars. Uh, I think they're really great. So um, quality wise, fit and finish the way they look, they just vibe great. So if I was going to nail one thing on that guitar, you know, it's the upgrade the pickups and then put locking keys on it. I think you got that. Um, definitely, definitely worth. So there you go. Definitely worth it. Uh, Beatmaster says, what can I realistically expect from an 18 volt mod on EMGs? In my case, an 87 dash seven or a 707 not something can be tested on a store beforehand. Okay, so when it comes to the 18-volt mod, and if you guys don't know what he's talking about, is that obviously the AMG pickups go off a 9-volt, and there's an 18-volt modification out there. However, so, you know, I've pointed this out before. There is a company. I will put the link in the description. I don't know it now, but when there's replays, I will make sure it's in the link because I can find it. There is a company that does... Uh, I'm. Hold on. Let me hold on. Let me find it. Okay, there is a company that makes a a battery. Here it is. Aha. Okay, so the company is, and I'll make sure the link's in the description. The company is called Twenty Four Volt Mod. Yep, unleash the power. So there is a twenty four volt mod for uh, your EMG pickups. Okay, so the reason why I say that, and I will put the link in the description, why a 24 volt over 18 volt, I'm not going to argue that it's better. I don't know that it is. But what I can tell you is that somebody came up with a great idea. They basically, uh, they sell you this this uh, this this battery. It's a 24 volt battery that holds, see, 20 volt batteries, it's smaller than 9 volt, and it fits in the same, same thing, and it has the terminals like a 9 volt on it. Um, you know what? I don't know why I'm just doing this. Hold on a second, guys. I forget sometimes that we have superpowers, uh, which is, in other words, I can share. This is it right here. I'm pointing at it right here. If you can see, uh, this is it. As you can see, it's a 24 volt in a battery pack smaller than a 9 volt. Uh, user replace uh, battery, replaceable batteries, right? Easy to use. Just plug in like a 9 volt battery. Uh, so if you're curious, what does... Uh, the 18 volt system sound like, well, you can buy this 24 volt adapter uh, battery. It is $23.99 for the kit. It looks like shipped. Oh, nope. Sorry. It is $17.99. So uh, tax and everything. You're looking at 20 bucks. You don't have to mod your guitar. You put this in the guitar. I've actually put these in guitars for people. I just keep, you know, I've done like two or three of them. Same reason. Somebody said, Hey, can we mod my guitar to 18 volt? What do you think it's going to sound like? And I suggest doing this because Again, I'm always into what I call non-marring modifications, ways that you can fix your guitar, but then put it back if you don't want it that way. This obviously, once you have it, you can do it to any battery. You can do it to a bass guitar if you want. Um, so I would recommend that. Check that out for 20 something, 25 bucks probably shipped. You can uh, check it out. It won't harm anything, I promise. Uh, uh, you, you'll, be, you'll be good to go. And then if you love it and you're like, maybe I need a permanent 18 volt system. So, and uh, there you go. All right. Uh, next one is from, oh, sorry. That's, I already did that one. Hold on. It double backed on me. 
Okay, we're going to call the five-minute warning for questions. All right. Okay, and go back. What do we got? There's 900 of us hanging, so I really appreciate it, guys. You guys are awesome. Always, every every Friday, I look forward to this. Uh, BC Rich 581 says, Phil, ever play a Fedora base? Yeah, I have. I played actually one of Victor Wooten's bases at the Fedora booth uh, before it went to Victor. Uh, so I went, it was there, and I asked them if I could play it, and they said, yeah, and I played it, and I said, I probably, and I said, I probably don't want another price, but, uh, and they, and they said, well, it's not for sale after the show, it goes to Victor. And I'm like, oh, well, let me just carve my initials in here for Victor. Uh, I didn't carve my initials into it, but, uh, but it was cool to be able to play Victor Wooten's bass before he did. So Victor Wooten, if you ever see a video of this bald guy <laughs> talking, that's me. Uh, I played your bass before you did once. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brad Libby says, hey, Phil, I would like to put GraphTech ghost pickups in. Is there anything else I need? Are they like magnetic? Can I just plug and play? Nope, you're going to have to install those suckers in. Uh, so, you know, I've been thinking about doing a video like that, uh, putting their uh, Piezo system in uh, and uh, Piazzo system, however you guys want to say it, uh, in. Uh, I think that would be a cool Sharp on My Axe video too. That's one thing that I thought about, but I haven't come across a guitar that would be a good candidate for that in in that so maybe that's something to do but um andrew taylor says would you ever do a warm-off build for my channel no but believe it or not last week because i uh i mentioned crimson guitars the guys at crimson guitars sent me an email and said hey thank you for the shout out you know and uh would you be interested in doing a uh kit build so we will be doing a kit build video here uh, I'm very excited about, and I'm going to try to put my own spin on it. So that will be something that's fun to do. A uh, little bit of work, but I think it'll be worth it, and I think everybody will enjoy it. I sure am going to enjoy it. So at the very least, I'll have fun, and hopefully you guys will have fun with me. Brian wants to know, Phil, on the Katana 50, running a looper, no effects loop, run it clean with pedals before the looper, get the sound I'm after. That's exactly how you got to do it, Brian. Unfortunately, without the effects loop, you cannot run the looper in it. One downfall of the Katana series and all those amps, I wish they would just stick loopers in all these amps. I think every practice amp should have a looper built into it uh, as a function of, uh, it's just, you know, at this point, it makes total sense. Um, it would be make it easier. I know this, if more practice amps like that, that had effects like the Katana, had loopers built into them, I would just probably play them. Now, that being said, so no one corrects me later, uh, I'm very aware of the fact that the Viper series uh, by PV, I think if you use the pedal that you can buy with it, you can use a looper function. And I also believe that uh, uh, the, you know, it actually the old uh, Roland Cube series amps had the looper, but uh, you had to use their pedal, which is fine, but it took batteries. So it was kind of weird uh, before they switched to that. But again, uh, you know, that's just the wacky part. Um, all right, let's do, let's make sure real quick, two things. I always got to make sure we didn't loot drop any of the, okay. Those we didn't. Okay. All right. And somebody's, uh, real quick. Somebody said, did you mention GitCon yet? I did. So you, when this replays, I'll time index it for you so you can see. And hold on somebody's talking about the katanas i just want to make sure we don't list, miss anything on the katanas 
Uh, somebody's like, what's a good looper uh, that has memory for storing loops? Uh, there's the 360, or I think it's now it's called the 720 by Electro Harmonics. Uh, that's pretty good. I like the Boss RC2. It has that for that feature as well. Uh, those are good. I've had good luck with those. I don't use a whole lot of memory when it comes to uh, loopers. I think loopers that have memory storage are definitely for performers more so. To me, this is the analogy I like. If recording is paint to canvas, looping is pencil to paper. For me, it's jotting down ideas. I just want to loop real quick. Once I kind of figure out what I'm doing with it, I kind of erase it and go on. So Andrew wants to know, Phil, will you be trying the new PRS Mark Tremonti amp? I will be. I reached out to PRS uh, and uh, I, I asked if they would be willing to, to send me one to check out. And I plan to, because I'm sure once they land, everybody will have a review of them. I'm going to compare it to my Archon. I think a lot of you will have some questions about that. Does How does it sound against the 50 watt Archon? That's what I plan to do with it. So we'll do that. I'm hoping to love it. So I buy it. Uh, but then again, I'm also kind of hoping not to love it. So I don't buy it. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that logic. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, uh, any thoughts on the new Eon, whatever, TC's new electronic Ebo clone. Yes, TC did electronic Ebo clone. I saw Ryan's 60 cycle hums video today. I got through most of it. I was kind of busy, so I didn't get to see all of it. Uh, but Ryan's 60 cycle hum, I'll put a link description right now. He just did a review of it. And uh, so I'll make sure to link it so I can finish watching it uh, if you guys want to see it. Um, so I don't know. I've never experienced it, but the Ebo in itself is an interesting thing if you have never played with one of those. Um, I don't know the price, so... Again, we'll learn together, but if you guys have questions about that, I'll link that description down below. And last one. What's the last one? Well, we got, before we go, I got to tell you two things. Uh, I didn't, because last week we, uh, was kind of busy, I didn't announce that this month's shirt is the PRS shirt. So I'll put a link now in this description for the new PRS shirt for this month. As you guys know, we do a different shirt every month. Uh, last month was the telly. This month is the PRS. Uh, just it's a style shirt, you know, so it's in style. So if you're interested in that, the link is in the description down below. Uh, just a reminder, just because I don't do it enough and I need to do it, no matter what you guys think, I need to remind you guys that the merchandise does support the channel. That's how this channel makes its money is through the patrons. That's the, the views that you're doing right now. So thank you for that. I literally is what makes this channel work. Oh, I, I'm funding it entirely off of you guys. Uh, so unless that changes, uh, I'm going to be mentioning my stuff to you guys. Um, so there you go. Uh, uh, and then Tim says, Hey, Phil, tell your wife, I like the know your gear stickers on Teespring. Oh yeah. You saw those. Yeah. She, she creates the logos and stuff. I don't know if I ever said that before. Uh, the, uh, Ralph did the logos originally. And then for time reasons, I, to, I needed it sped up. I needed to be able to react to what you guys were doing. And so my wife taught herself how to use uh, Illustrator and took over the, the stuff. She did it all on herself, like nobody showed her anything. So she does all that stuff. And a lot of the patrons know my wife pretty regularly because she does the custom shirts for them when they're on Patreon. All right. So, yeah, thank you. What stickers? Somebody said, yeah, what stickers, Brian? Yeah, there's stickers. I, I, um, I, uh, here, I actually got this on my desk. <laughs> this was her. She put this on my desk for approval. Uh, that's how it works. I'll come in and I'll sit down and she'll have stuff and it'll be like, this is the know your gear. Yeah. Let me zoom in on that. This is the know your gear sticker she made. Uh, so there's a sticker. Um, I, I, uh, I think the sticker price is kind of high. I just don't have a way to mess with that yet. So, uh, 
So there you go. Uh, but uh, if you guys know a cool place to get stickers cheaper than what this place is charging, because it seems pretty heavy, especially considering I'm not making a whole lot off the sticker price that's happening, the, the price that so so uh, so please, uh, if you guys know that stuff, you know, let me hook me up. You know what I mean? Uh, I, it'll just hook you guys up because, again, I'd like to get the stuff more reasonable to you guys. So. Um, I find no matter what I do, I seem to make the same amount of money. So if I could save you money, it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to, the companies that charge you more don't seem to pay me more. So just keep that in mind. So, um, so, all right. That being said, uh, we're going to call it. I'm just going to do the shout out for, of course, the guys that the, the patron people, uh, it was a great show. I appreciate you guys so much for, for, uh, for doing this and hanging out with me this Friday. And before I go, I got to say thank you, obviously to the, to the patrons that do this, uh, that fund this live show every week. It's Bradulus, Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce Garris, Hannah Gunson, John Jacks, especially cause he just bought one of my guitars off the patron site. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate that, John. You're going to love that guitar. That was my single cut S2. Uh, Michael Shy, uh, who got my, uh, one of my guitars just recently. I'll make that announcement later to you guys. If he wants me to Justin Mabe, David Madison, Lawrence Petros. Uh, cause, uh, it, cause mostly I think Lawrence because his name is Petros and I'm going to keep saying Petros because I mess it up. James Biles, uh, Robert Brooks, Tim Camacho, Robert Hedges, Steve Penna, Paul Ostrich, uh, Mike Linder, Joe Watson, Gregor, Jonathan Pickering, Bob Pickwood, Tim, John Levitt, Space Jazz, Pedal Pal Effects, both the guys because they hang out every month with us on Patreon. Again, thank you guys for that. Ricky Robinson, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, Dylan87, and Russ at Taurus Pedals all you guys and everyone else on Patreon, all you guys that watch, you literally make this happen. You, I thank you guys so much. Please understand that. I like taking the time to thank you guys. You deserve it uh, in spades. So thank you so much. And until next week, uh, know your gear. <laughs>